0: Hello and welcome. My name's Mike, Mike Sherbin, and you're watching Watch It Baptist Church online, or perhaps listening, uh, through a podcast. Uh, So I'm the pastor of Watch It Baptist Church, and it's good to be with you this time around. We're back looking again at the letter of 1 Peter. I've come outside. It's a a fairly grey, cloudy day, and it's a bit breezy. Um, But I'm hoping that's going to work out okay, and it doesn't start to rain halfway through. We're going to be looking at... uh, A passage that starts in 1 Peter 2 verse 4 and goes all the way to verse 12 and read that in a moment Um, we're going to begin in prayer Lord Jesus as we turn our faces towards you would you turn yours towards us meet us and help us understand amen
1: okay so let's have that reading We're in
0: 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 4, and it says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So let's begin with a little recap. It's always important that we remind ourselves of what uh, books in the Bible, what letter writers in the Bible have said already as we go on to the next bit because none of it is supposed to be taken in isolation. Perhaps we might say, ideally, we'd have... Um, one bit of teaching that went all the way through the letter in one go, that might take a while. Perhaps it's worth thinking about doing something that summarises a whole letter just in uh, 10 or 15 minutes. That might be helpful at some point in the future. But not for now. For now we're looking at this passage, but we're remembering that it comes after something else. So Peter, who was an apostle, he was one one of Jesus' entourage in the Gospels, if you like, Um, has exciting truths to share, and he's been keen that his audience, who are in what's now Western Turkey, should understand these things. So first of all, the resurrection of Jesus brings new life. New birth is what Peter calls it at the start of his letter. Also, he wants his audience to understand that certainty about the future, that's not about everything that happens in the future, but a certainty about the way the future will go, Ultimately, uh, can change our present. That certainty can have an impact on how we live now, and he calls that living hope. It's to do with how we do things today because we have an understanding of Jesus' victory uh, in the long run. Third, there's an invitation to join um, the family of God, so to share in being brothers and sisters with the same Father, God the Father brothers and sisters with Jesus, and that is what Peter refers to as an inheritance. This is all good new stuff, and it's stuff that Peter has been talking about as he lays the groundwork and then goes on to talk
1: about other things. Now
0: now for Peter, these offers of uh, new birth and living hope and inheritance are not a kind of of get-out-of-jail-free card or a... Or a golden ticket he's not thinking in those terms he's talking about an invitation to a fulfilled life and this bounces off something jesus said in john's gospel i've come that people might have life and have it to the full so the fulfilled life is something peter knows about and he's talking uh, to his audience here something about how that comes about now peter having done that he wants to go on to explain some more things about what it means to be uh, people of God, he, he does talk about how that's something that happens uh, together and, and about living with the other children, if you like, if we're going to use that family uh, way of understanding things, that metaphor. And as we go into thinking about how Peter wants to talk to us about that, I want to just get us to pause and have a little think about a particular activity which, um, Always been an admirer of. When I was probably about 11 or 12 years old, I did a school field trip, one of those week long adventures away. And I was living in Norwich at the time, and we went to the Lake District, which, if you know anything about uh, roads across Britain in the 80s, you will know would have taken a long time. It did take ages. But one of the things that we talked about before we went and then looked out for when we got there was the building of dry stone walls. They are dotted all over the Lake District, but not just there. I regularly visit Swanage in Dorset, and just outside, uh, um, what's it called, Dalston Castle, there is an example, uh, a place where I think people train as well, of how dry stone walls are put together. And there are lots of special techniques involved in building those walls, but ultimately, once they're built, they can last a very long time. They're called dry because they're not built with any kind of mortar or anything that would stick them together. So the stones are stacked carefully in ways that means that they they hold their position without having to be glued in. That does mean that some of those stones need to be, I think the right word is dressed. Bits are um, taken off the corners, things like that, so that they can fit. And not all of the stones are the same size. They're, they're brought together in a way that's going to mean that they go together well for what their purpose is, rather than making them all look the same size or shape. They're not bricks, they're stones. They, this is, I think, something of what Peter is going for as he describes what it means to live with the other children in the inheritance from the father. This is the kind of picture he's putting in people's minds now i don't know enough about uh, first century western turkey to be able to tell you whether dry stone walls were a thing there and then but it does seem to be something of what peter is getting at so he says in verses four and five as you come to him that's jesus the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by god and precious to him you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now it is important to hold that idea of how um, stones go together to build something, but there's something else that also we need to be aware of as we read Peter's description, and it's this. The temple, in Jewish thinking, was a particularly profound and special place, because it was a place where God could be found. There was even a sense that God lived in it. The difficulty with that was if you destroyed the temple, then actually God could no longer live there and would no longer be with his people. This was a key factor uh, for the Jewish people when well, first of all the Babylonians uh, took the uh, northern kingdom away, and then the Babylonians took the southern kingdom. The destruction of the temple that went with that was of profound significance because it, in effect, removed God from the land. The spiritual house that Peter's talking about is a place where God will live. And living stones, Peter says, will build that spiritual house, will build that place where God will be. Now, I'm not at all sure that at this stage, Peter is necessarily believing that God can only be in a place if there's a temple for him to live in. But whether he does or not, he's certainly employing the idea that God is present through the people who trust and follow Jesus. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. So he has a sense that these disciples who he's writing to are being built into something. Living stones, building a place where God will live and be found. He's also talking about a priesthood. Now, to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, priests communicate directly with God. In, in every um, faith and religion and, and um, across all time, really, priests have been understood as those who communicate directly with God and often on behalf of others. And part of what Peter is saying is that disciples are able to approach God directly. And they can do that for themselves, but also on behalf of others. So people who trust Jesus are supposed to be, I suppose, a bit like bricks. But unlike bricks, they are alive and they're not uniform. They don't have to be the same. The people gathered together in Jesus' name are creating something. A place where God is found and where he dwells. Again, for Jewish thinking, if people are a temple, they are then where God is. And this temple is part of how we recognise who we are. You see, you can't be a disciple um, who is a living stone building a temple by yourself. You can't do it on your own. Peter says you are being built into a spiritual house so a the action is coming from outside it's not you are building it's you are being built and b you collectively there's a plural here it's not you as an individual are being built it's you as a people as a community following jesus so god is doing it by his spirit he's doing it not us and this lines up exactly with how jesus said in the Gospels. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So Peter doesn't say, I become where God lives. He says, we become where God lives. Let's go back to verses 9 and 10. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who calls you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you are not a people, but now you are the people of God, not just any people specifically the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now I don't get, to get too sidetracked here, but I think there is an important thing to pick up on as we look at those uh, verses. So we are citizens. That's what it means to, to be people of a nation. We're identified through the mercy of God, not through what we can do or what we have done, only through the mercy of God. We were born into a human nation, but now we have new birth. Remember that from chapter 1, verse 3. New birth into God's nation, God's community. We've talked about it as a family. Peter is also talking about it. As well as talking about inheritance, he's also talking about us being a holy nation. So our old life, which Peter says in chapter 1, verse 18, is empty. Um, shouldn't define us. Our old life isn't who we are anymore. We're now something different. And he refers to us as resident foreigners or exiles. There's a quote I want to bring you from a guy called Phil Moore. He's a pastor and a theologian, and he wrote this. I'm going to quote it properly. Our true citizenship is now in heaven. We are no longer Americans or Africans or Europeans who happen to be Christians. Our primary identity is that we are Christians, and our ethnicity is secondary. Now, this audience that Peter is writing to would have identified as either Jewish or Gentile, or they might have defined themselves as a Roman citizen or not Roman citizen. Peter even goes to the trouble of mentioning home places at the very start of the letter. He lists a load of places that he's writing to, because this letter would have been delivered and circulated among those places. So Peter's he's aware of all those places people come from, but he is keen for them to understand that that's not their identity. Their identity is as a people who have received mercy, and so they are God's people. And they're a holy nation too. So regardless for Peter of how they might identify themselves, he wants them to recognise themselves through a different identity, and this is important for us to take hold of too. Not least because we live in a world that is becoming, I think, more interested, sometimes more preoccupied by a sense of where our identity comes from, and particularly in terms of nations. Now, it's a few years now since it happened, but there was a campaign uh, across the Atlantic that said make America great again and so the the priority in that campaign was the sense of national identity. We want America to be great because we are American people and it's important to us that our country is great. The emphasis was on national identity. Maybe closer to home we've come across slogans such as take back control and that Slogan is based on the idea that there should be a a British way of doing things for Britain. Now, Peter isn't being um, aggressive and he's not being rebuking. He's not saying um, you shouldn't think of yourselves as Roman citizens or how dare you think of yourselves as Capitaeans or whatever they were called. He's just saying, look, your identity is as a holy nation, God's people, and you are there because of mercy. Identity is that we are Christians first. Our ethnicity is secondary. We've got to be really careful that we don't allow, effectively, where we live, or where we were born, to play a greater part in who we know ourselves to be, or believe what's important. It shouldn't be a greater part from there than there is from who God calls us to be. And I remember, Uh, a little while ago, Theresa May, when she was Prime Minister, I think, saying uh, somebody who's a citizen of the world is a citizen of nowhere. But I think actually, for God, if he's thinking in terms of us being a holy nation, because we trust Jesus, that means that anybody globally who trusts Jesus belongs to the same nation as everybody else who trusts Jesus. I find it interesting when thinking about things like this, to find out what particularly non-Christian people, have thought about some of these things. And I, like I said, I don't want to get too distracted and we'll move on in a moment, but uh, George Bernard Shaw said, patriotism, which is you know, uh, perhaps uh, a very strong identification with your nation. Patriotism is your conviction that this country is superior to all the others because you were born in it. Um, Albert Einstein referred to nationalism, which is similarly a... a prioritizing of your own nation nationalism is the measles of mankind he said it was a it was a a child's disease and the philosopher George Santayana said to me it seems a dreadful indignity to have a soul controlled by geography perhaps that's the one Peter would have would have recognized best your soul doesn't belong with a nation it belongs with the father or it belongs in following Jesus and we are a holy nation because of mercy now israel as a nation in the old testament was called to hold out forgiveness to the world and an understanding of what god was like and instead the nation became so good at rejecting the outsider belittling the gentiles referring to them very often as dogs and peter warns don't be like that don't don't live that way don't think that way don't have that attitude because you've received mercy He calls on the holy nation of Jesus to learn from Israel's mistakes and be different. Jesus, and and I know we've talked about this before, but I think it's important that we go back to it. Jesus ate with those, sat down and spent time with, identified with those who created problems in his culture. There is no outsider when it comes to his mercy. So the line drawn between my nation and somebody else's nation is entirely irrelevant to Peter. And Peter is saying, irrelevant to Jesus. Because start to finish, it's all mercy anyway, that that takes us anyway. It's God's goodness and mercy that makes us what we are, not where we were born, where we live, or what we think of those who live somewhere different. Ultimately, for disciples of Jesus, our politics should start with mercy every time, not with nation, not with ethnicity, but just with mercy. Anyway, we are living stones placed together to build something. So the church is not a chain store or um, a temporary classroom at a school or a prefab house or anything like that. When you build with stones, as we said before, they're not identical. They're not regular. they're, They're oddly shaped. But a good dry stone wall builder can do something with that. And God is very good at bringing people together. Some of our rough edges might need attention. Some of our craggy bits might need over time to be um, smoothed over and made different. We are designed to be in contact with other living stones and together to be built into something where Jesus lives and where he can be found by others. And that means each of us should be ready to learn from others too. I think our culture does encourage us Because it has a preoccupation sometimes with education and knowledge. Our culture can encourage us to think that in a church, it's those who have the biggest knowledge who are the most significant. And I'm not sure that Peter sees it that way or that Jesus does either. Paul is big on saying that actually God is at his most um, strong, most to be glorified when he works through weakness. And so when we prioritize those who have a strength in knowledge or physicality or speed or whatever it might be we're actually not doing what jesus does we're called to be built together into a spiritual building a temple we're called to be a holy nation we're called to be together to allow ourselves to be built by the holy spirit into something that brings gladness to God that pleases him and that reflects his priorities and that means that this thing we call church is not an add-on in our life to be a disciple has to include being part of the church because it is that holy nation it is what we are being built into however irregular you feel that you might be however small and insignificant or or bulky and cumbersome you might think you might be however stuck, you might feel that you are. You are still being built, if you allow the Spirit in, into this temple for Jesus to live in. If discipleship is just about me, even if it's just about me and Jesus, I have got it wrong. I may as well go to God and say, look, I know the kind of building that you need, the kind of building, spiritual building that this world needs He's made off of Jesus as a foundation, and then one brick, and that one brick is me. And we're not doing that. We're saying living stones. Peter is saying living stones, being built, not building ourselves, but being built, allowing the Spirit to be involved in how we are brought together. So we reach out in love to enlarge this holy nation. We reach out with mercy of our own, echoing that which Jesus gives us so there's no room for hunkering down or digging trenches to hide in or anything like that instead our horizons need to be really big we need to look into the distance we need to share the view standing on the ridge with every other disciple who trusts jesus with all their wonkiness and and craggy edges and say i want to be built alongside you, because that's something Jesus thinks worth doing. Peter says so. I guess I would want to summarize by saying it's important that we allow ourselves together to become a place where God lives and where Jesus can be
1: found. Let's pray. Lord, help us to let you build us
0: the way that you see The way you would design us to be. The way that helps those who need you to find
1: you. Amen.
0: Okay, then this is the way we would normally do some questions. But instead of questions, we're doing three uh, challenges. I suppose possibly even instructions. or certainly things I'd encourage you to do. And here they are. Number one. As you pray this week use this phrase or something very like it doesn't have to be word for word something like lord jesus as i pray show me what to pray and then listen to your own prayers and find out how the holy spirit is directing them something that he does all the time but perhaps we don't always notice listen to how god is shaping your prayers listen to how he wants you to see the world
1: okay here's number two get in touch with two
0: people this week from this church they can be in your group uh, or outside your group doesn't matter but reach out to two people maybe at different points of the week and say can you tell me something about jesus so what you're doing then is you're inviting somebody else to help shape uh, your perspective on jesus it might be that the person you talk to says well all i can tell you is is the most recent prayer that I, that I prayed. Or they might say, well, I can tell you is the thing that's on my heart at the minute that I think is important to Jesus. But it might be that somebody says, I was reading my Bible this morning and this thing really jumped out and I can share that with you. So something like that. Two people, and you're, what you're doing is you're inviting them to be built alongside you
1: as living stones together.
0: Number three, get in touch with somebody outside the church, somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Just reach out and find out if there's anything on their mind. Just, you know, just say, look, I have a reason to get in touch. Just wanted to check if you're okay, if there's anything on your mind at the minute. And then perhaps if you're feeling brave, uh, perhaps maybe ask Jesus for the courage to say, I pray about that thing for you. Now, it might be that you... Get in touch with somebody, and they say nothing's bothering them. And if if they're really insistent that everything's absolutely marvellous, then maybe ask them what they're thankful for, and ask if you can thank God for them for that thing for them instead.
1: Right, and that's it from me. It's good to be with you. I look forward to catching up again, and we'll continue looking at one Peter. God bless.